Today in Security from Wired. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired. The Pentagon opened up to hackers and fixed thousands of bugs by Lily Hay Newman. The United States government doesn't get along with hackers. That's just how it is. Hacking protected systems, even to reveal their weaknesses, is illegal under the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. And the Department of Justice has repeatedly made it clear that it will enforce the law. In the last 18 months, though, a new Department of Defense project called Hack the Pentagon has offered real glimmers of hope that these prejudices could change. The government's long-standing defensive posture makes some sense in theory. It does have important secrets to keep. But in practice, security experts have long criticized the stance as a fundamental misunderstanding of how cybersecurity works. The inability of researchers and concerned citizens to disclose vulnerabilities they find inevitably makes the government or any institution less secure. So, in the wake of numerous government agency breaches, including the devastating Office of Personnel Management hack, DOD's Defense Digital Services Group, the Office of the Secretary of Defense Cyber Policy Group, and then-Defense Secretary Ash Carter saw a possible opportunity to spur change by introducing the DOD to bug bounties, programs that offer cash rewards to independent hackers who find and disclose software bugs. DOD has a framework of doing penetration testing and doing their own vulnerability assessment, but this is in the constraints of federal government, says Michael Chung, the product and technology lead at Defense Digital Services. So, our gut feeling was that bringing in private sector practices would show that there were more vulnerabilities that hadn't been found. With the help of bug bounty facilitator firm HackerOne, and after coordinating with the Department of Justice, DDS kicked off the pilot Hack the Pentagon bug bounty on April 16, 2016. Over a 24-day period, dozens of pre-selected security researchers hunted down vulnerabilities in certain public-facing DoD websites in what was the first federal bug bounty ever run at a federal agency. The department ended up resolving more than 138 unique vulnerabilities and paid tens of thousands of dollars to 58 hackers. One made a total of $15,000 by reporting multiple bugs. What HackerOne and the Pentagon have done seems like a feat of wizardry, says Dan Tentler, a founder of the attack simulation and remediation firm Phobos Group and a contributor to the first Hack the Pentagon bug bounty, but chose not to be eligible for rewards. 
Up until very recently, the government's way of keeping people in the U.S. from hacking them was to basically threaten that black helicopters would show up over your house if you tried, he said. And then one day I'm stuck at the airport and I'm brute-forcing various Pentagon hosts with no fear of repercussions. It's pretty cool. To follow up on the success of Hack the Pentagon, DOD launched another bounty, Hack the Army, last November, to assess public-facing websites related to army enrollment. That program included hundreds of hackers who found more than 100 unique bugs and received about $100,000 in total payouts. After Hack the Pentagon, DOD had noticed that, with limited-time bounties, bugs still trickled in days and weeks after the open call concluded. So the feds announced an open-ended vulnerabilities disclosure policy that didn't offer rewards but would legally allow people to submit bugs any time related to public-facing websites and web applications owned by DOD. In the years since, about 650 people have submitted almost 3,000 unique valid vulnerabilities. A year ago, they would have been breaking the law. The VDP has just really taken off and started providing value in a way that I don't think anyone was anticipating when we first launched it, says Alex Rice, CTO of HackerOne. It was some learning. DOD realized that if someone was still working on something, there was no legal channel for them to get it to the government. Hack the Air Force came next at the end of May, awarding more than $130,000 for 207 unique vulnerabilities. Through the bounties and VDP, DOD has found out about and fixed thousands of vulnerabilities in its system so far, along with more than a 100 highly critical flaws. These have included vulnerabilities that allow remote code execution, SQL code injection bugs on various websites, and methods for bypassing authentication protections. For the past 12 months, we've learned a lot and we've really reached a tipping point where now we're getting a lot of requests, a lot of interest to do these bug bounties across all DOD, Chung says. We're trying to do away with the guy in sunglasses and a hoodie in his basement image and trying to put an actual person behind the whole white hat hacker persona. It really is a shift in thinking. That newfound acceptance has spread. Over the last year, DOD has also run a few private bug bounties on more sensitive systems through the penetration testing firm Synac, which was awarded a contract to focus on assessing internal platforms. And outside the department, the General Services Administration and Department of Homeland Security are both working on bug bounties as well. Chung eventually wants to ramp up to as many as two bug bounties per month within DOD alone. Similarly, Lieutenant General Edward Carden, who worked on the Army's first bounty last year, says they're working toward running one bug bounty per quarter to assess a diverse array of public-facing systems. The momentum Hack the Pentagon now has within DOD belies the challenges and struggles of the last 18 months, though and the initial pilot alone required a hard-won ideological evolution. When we first launched Hack the Pentagon, it was pretty much a non-starter, Chung says. The idea of hacking into the Pentagon scared a lot of people. 
One of the original proponents of the project at Defence Digital Services, Lisa Wiswell, is actually known as DDS's bureaucracy hacker. The DOD's existing digital defence practitioners and contractors also express scepticism. There was a little pushback in the beginning by some of the incumbents there, some of the pen testers, some of the contractors. Chung says, but they know that there's a mission involved with this, and I can't stress enough how much of this work is valuable to national security. Even after the successful pilot, real doubts still existed within DOD about doing additional bug bounties. The Army runs combat simulations and war games, of course, to train, improve its tactics, and identify weaknesses. But Lieutenant General Cardin says it was a process to explain that the same concepts apply in cyberspace. I'm a big believer in this sort of approach. I think it's good for the government. Some of these vulnerabilities, if attackers took it to the end, would be a serious problem for us. He says. With the bug bounties, there was a lot of obvious concern about the risks. The rules for how to do this were mature enough, though, that we could provide an understanding of the risks. That then made the senior leadership of the army much more amenable to this type of a program. There were also hurdles in hammering out the processes for executing the bug bounties themselves. Tentler, the researcher who works on Hack the Pentagon, says that at first there were issues establishing the scope of the bug bounty to keep participants from submitting vulnerabilities for systems DoD didn't intend them to look at. I can't speak for everyone, but the people that I was working with said, "Well, this doesn't make any sense. We're eyeballs deep in their systems, and now they're saying that what we're doing is out of scope." Tentler says. Apparently, there were four or six actual web hosts that were permitted, and I was like, it would have helped to just have those from the start. What I've seen, though, over time is a gradual lessening of tension. In the last year, they've come quite a long way. Bug bounties and vulnerability disclosure processes alone can only go so far. You have to actually fix the flood of bugs after hackers find them. Establishing an effective remediation process takes time and resources. Challenges that Chung and Cardinal both attest to within DoD, and Tentler notes that one vulnerability he found during the pilot hack the Pentagon took months for the DoD to resolve. That came in part because the vulnerability was outside the scope of the bounty, and it was difficult to determine how best to submit it for actual consideration. But Hacker One's Rice says he's been impressed with the infrastructure DoD has established over time. Their remediation time has been well below average for these programs that we've run, Rice says, and they've resolved everything within a pretty condensed period of time. Afterward, we have private companies that have vulnerabilities that still aren't resolved after a year. Given all the breaches of government agencies over the last few years, from OPM to an embarrassing hack of the Pentagon's own non-classified email system, hack the Pentagon could have amounted to a one-off publicity stunt to make the DoD seemed tuned in during a rocky phase. Instead, its newfound openness to security feedbacks seems like it may genuinely be propagating throughout the government rather than being quickly shut down. In the face of such entrenched resistance, there are still no guarantees. But given that none of this seemed possible even recently, the accomplishments of Hack the Pentagon's first year are noteworthy. 
It's one thing for a company to come forward and work with their general counsel to do a bug bounty, Rice says. It's a completely different thing entirely for the organization that really initiated the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act and that early hostility towards security researchers to openly start engaging and working with them. The weight that the DOD brings when they pair with the DOJ to say hackers can do good, well, that just doesn't exist anywhere else. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.